Well, I'd like to give you a very warm welcome to our morning service this morning, whether you're here in the building with us or joining us online. Isn't it great to be able to come here to forget about all the things that are happening in our life at the moment. We can concentrate on um, listening to John's sermon this, evening, this morning and um, worshipping God. I don't know about you guys, but I, I know my week can be very, very, very full of work and different bits and pieces going on with the family, and I find it a real encouragement to be able to come on a Sunday, forget about everything, and be able to really worship and focus on God. So I hope that we can all do that um, this morning. Uh, just a couple of things before we start. Um, just a reminder that we do have Lighthouse this coming Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, if you are helping us, just a reminder that we are going to be meeting for prayer at 6.15 down at St. Richard's. So if you are able to, to meet up beforehand at 6.15 at St. Richard's, it's a really good opportunity to pray before the event. And we know how much prayer helps us through the, the day, doesn't it? And we really do encourage you to, to join us for a time of prayer. Um, also, just um, it's been good to see um, so many campers back. You all um, feeling alive? Yeah? Good sleep? Yeah? And it's very good to see some of your faces here this morning. And I really do pray that it's been a, a real encouragement to you um, this past week. And on encouragements, so I just encourage us all to come to the prayer meeting this coming Thursday. Steve um, Sharp will be taking it. And um, it's a real encouragement, isn't it, to, to pray about the events after they've happened. We've prayed about them, about what's going to happen in those events. We pray that, that they will run well. But it's good to look back and pray and thank God for those events that have happened and to continue to pray for these people that have taken part in them, these um, young people, to really pray that God still continues to work in their lives and really does guide them. So that's just an encouragement for this coming Thursday. I just want to um, just read one verse before we sing our first song, and it's um, from Psalm 16. And it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I find that a real encouragement, don't you? That, that, Je- that Jesus, he guides us in the path of life, and that in his presence we can find fullness of joy. Don't we all want joy in our lives? I know I do, and I think it's a real encouragement to know if we follow Jesus, we have Jesus in our lives, we can find a presence of joy. And when we come to the end of our lives, we can have those pleasures forevermore at his right hand in heaven. So we're going to stand when the music starts in a moment to sing our first song this morning. Um, We're going to be singing Love Divine, All Love's Excelling. And please stand when the music starts.
Well, we're going to have um, our reading this morning, and after the reading, Martin's going to be coming up to do the children's talk. So after the reading, please come up, uh, children, down the front for Martin Hook to, to give us the children's talk. Our reading uh, this morning is going to be in Mark chapter 5, and we're reading from verses 1 to 20. It's going to be on the, the wall, or if you want to follow in your Bibles, you can find that on page 840. So Mark 5, verses 1 to 20, and you can find it on page one four, uh, 840. And we're following here, Jesus has just calmed the storm and shown his power over the winds and the sea and the elements and we're on the other shore now and we're going to pick up um, where he came to the other side of the sea. So, Mark chapter 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasians and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in the right mind. And they were afraid, and those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marvelled. Holiday times, I don't know how many children we have. Might even be room on the seat for all of you. In there, Katie's going to go there. Well, good morning. Welcome. Now, tell me, what makes you scared? What makes you scared? Katie? Pardon? Spiders! Spiders. No, I couldn't find one this morning. I did look. Well, there might be one in there, and I don't know about it. Harvey, what makes you scared? A snake. A snake! I wondered if someone might say that. So you don't like snakes? Mm-hmm. Why not? Because they can bite you. They can bite you, yeah, absolutely. And some of them are dangerous, aren't they? I understand that. Very good. Annie? Fire. Fire, yes. Yeah, fire. Who's scared of fire? Yeah? You're not scared of fire? No? What happens if you lived in southern Europe with all their big fires they're having? Would you be scared of fire then? Dark. Scared of the dark. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I haven't got anything about scared of the dark. Now, I've put some things in here um, that I'm not scared of, but I'm fearful of. Okay? So, um, I'm fearful of, and the Bible um, uses the word fear, okay, when you should be kind of scared of something in one aspect. Now, I'm going to get these things out, and you've got to try and work out what I'm fearful of. So, the first one, is a cap. What do you think I'm fearful of with a cap? No? 
Do you know what I'm fearful of with a cap? Pardon? Hair? No, I haven't got much of that. <laughs> now, you might be able to work out why I like a cap. Well, Annie will know. Annie, why would I have a cap? Burning my head in the sun. How many people here love the sun? Enjoy the sun being out. Yeah, we all do, don't we? But I know if it's a lovely sunny day, if I don't wear a cap, my head will get burnt. And what happens if we have too much sun on us without protecting ourselves? Sunstroke, we might get sick. Yeah, all kinds of things might happen. So, a cap. Now, I like the sun. I love the sun. But I need to protect myself. Now, what else have we got in here? And one of you said this already, really. This is something else. What are these here? Anyone know what these here? Fire gloves. Fire gloves, yeah. I love fire. I do love fire. But I'm scared of fire too. Okay, because fire can burn me. Um, if I'm not careful with fire, it can burn my house. It might burn my house down. If, we're not, if we don't appreciate the, fire, the danger that fire brings us, we can have all kinds of trouble. So it's good to be fearful of fire, to respect it, because if we don't control it, you know, it's very, very dangerous. Now, one more thing. I wonder if you know what this is. Does anyone know what this is? Lydia. It's a life jacket, yes. Now, what do you think I might be scared of if I want to wear one of these? Well... Of water, not a little bit, not a little bit. I'm very scared of water, okay? Because I love the sea and I love going out in the kayak, in the canoe, and we go a long way out to sea. But I know if I fall in, it's a long way to come back. And I know if the sea gets rough and I get tipped off my kayak, I would like one of these. So I am scared of the sea. And if the sea is very rough, do you think I'll go out in my kayak? Not if it's very rough, Annie. Yeah. So if it's very rough, I won't go out. I don't mind going out when it's slightly rough. It's, a, it's good fun. But if it's very rough, I'll wear one of these. So, we have a verse in the Bible, which Richard's going to put up on the screen for us. And the verse comes out of Job. Would someone like to read that verse for me? Someone like to read that verse for me? Go on then, Katie, nice and loudly. Brilliant. That's it. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Now, we've discussed different fears, haven't we? Okay? So, we've talked about fire. And to be wise with fire, you contain it and you protect yourself. We've talked about going out to the sea. Okay? Now, to be wise with the sea, there are sometimes you don't go out to sea on your boat. And if it's slightly rough, you wear something to protect you. Now, how can, we, how can we be wise with God? We said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Is, is that is wisdom. How can we be wise with God, do you think? How can you be wise with God? All gone very blank, some very tired eyes. Not going against his word. Not going against his word, so obeying him. Yeah, so we can obey God. That's being wise with God. Why should we be wise with God? Why should we be wise with God? Because it will protect us. Yeah, if we go to God, he's the one who can protect us. Because he made us. We are his creation. He set down some rules for us to live by. Have you all kept his rules? Have you all obeyed him all the time? Is he angry? when we don't obey him. He is. So it's good to be wise with the, with the Lord. Um, and how do we know that we're being wise with God? How do we know that we're fearing God? What might we do? Pray. Yeah, praying's one thing. It's in the verse. What might we do? Or what might we not do? What might we not do? What do you reckon? Yeah, we will feel a lot, but the verse says we will turn away from evil. We won't do the things that God is crossed with. Yeah? 
So when we fear God, when we know he's looking at us, when we're just about to do something we know he doesn't like, and our conscience tells us we mustn't tell a lie, or mum said we mustn't have that extra biscuit, okay, then actually if we stop, okay, that is fearing God, because we're turning away from doing something that he doesn't want us to do. How ultimately do we turn away from evil? How ultimately can we come to God in his wisdom and turn away from evil? El? We can call God, we can pray God, we can turn to Jesus, can't we? We can look to Jesus and if we come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, we know he will forgive us and he will take away all the punishment from our sin. So, when your conscience says to you, you shouldn't be doing this, actually, you are fearing God and you are being wise if you don't do it. Do you think you can remember that? Okay, just as I showed respect to the sea, and I feared the sea, so I wore one of these. Just as I showed respect to fire, and wear these. Okay, so we can show respect to God, and fear God, and be wise by not doing things that we know he doesn't like us to do. Okay, well listen, you want to go and sit back down. We're going to sing um, our second song now. Um, this really resonates with me when I, when I sing this one. I, I think, how often do we remember what we were saved from and when we were lost? I don't know about you, but do we stand up here and sing sometimes and not think about the words that, that we're singing? For this one, I always remember, you know, I was once lost, but Jesus found me. And I think when we sing through this, just remember, try to think back when, when you were lost and how Jesus found you and how he brought you back to him. What an amazing um, story that is for your life. So we're going to sing, I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. So please stand when the music starts.
pray in a moment, but if I could just ask um, for your prayers over the next um, couple of days, it would be really helpful. So we have the Lighthouse event coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. We're hoping to have um, quite a few people there, so we'd really appreciate prayers for that event. And we really pray that, that these children that come, that they would enjoy the, the good times that we have there, the crafts and the games. But most important, we pray that they'd sit through the talk, they'd listen and they'd take it on board and then maybe they'd want to come to connect. We're going to hand out some flyers for, uh, not for Sunday school, to Thrive. So we're hoping that we can, um, can get some uh, children to that. So that would be lots to pray for. But also, could I ask for prayers for myself and James? We're doing um, the t- talks. I'm doing the talk on the Tuesday and James um, on the Wednesday. We're doing um, the Lost uh, Sheep, which I will be doing, and James is going to be doing the Prodigal Son. So we'd really appreciate your prayers for, for those two talks as well and for the event. So shall we come to God now? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that I can come to you now and we can come to you and we can pray and take this time out from the day where we can forget about everything and we can concentrate on focusing on worshipping the living God, the God of love, the God of compassion, the God who saves. We were just singing that song then, I once was lost in darkest days and many of us here remember those dark days that we had when we were far from you that we had no sense of you whatsoever. We were living our own lives. We were rebellious towards you. Yet with your mercy, your love and your grace, you stepped into our lives and you saved us from the darkness that we were living in. You put us onto the right path. You guided us towards your light and you saved us from that life that we were living. And we thank you so much for that. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who saves. You are a God that loves your people. And that there's not one person in this room now or listening online who is so far away from you that you can't reach them. And I know sometimes that in our own minds we could think, how can a God love somebody like me who is so full of sin, so far away from you, living in such darkness? Yet we know that you can. You work in the the darkest places, Lord, and you bring them to know you. And we know that you love us so much because we know that you put your life on, that, on the line for us on the cross at Calvary. You laid down your life so that anybody that puts their trust in you and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. And we thank you so much for that promise. And I pray, Lord God, that, that many that have heard your word, whether it be over weeks, months or years, and have not yet taken up that call to follow you, I pray this would even be the day now where they'd want to put their trust in you and follow you. And we know that there are many promises that you give us once we put our trust in you, but the greatest promise of all is that when we leave this life, we will be with you for an eternity in heaven. But there is a flip side, Lord, if we do still walk in that darkness, we walk away from you. There is a punishment, and there is a separation, and we will be cast into hell for an eternity. And I just pray, Lord God, that if there's anyone in here this morning or listening online, Lord, that they would think seriously about it, Lord, and that they want to come to you maybe for the first time ever to pray to you and ask you to work in their lives. Lord God, we just thank you so much that that you have been with us um, through our lives and guiding and shaping us. We thank you so much for the events that have happened over these last few weeks. We think about the YP holiday, we think about the camp, And we're so thankful for how they went. We thank you so much for the way that you went before them and that you were guiding and helping the leaders as they they led those um, groups. We pray and thank you so much for the way that you helped those that spoke and gave the talks. And we just pray that those talks that have been heard, those testimonies that have been heard, those um, mornings of worship that they've had, Lord, would have made an impact in these these, um, young people's lives. But now that they've gone back to their homes and back to normality, Lord, that, that these things will not escape them, that they would have stayed with them, they would have stuck with them, they'd be contemplating them, that your Holy Spirit will be working in them and shaping them and guiding them and moulding them. And we pray, Lord God, that they would come to the realisation that they need a saviour and the only one that can save them is the Lord Jesus Christ and they'd put their trust in you. Lord God, we thank you so much that we've had the opportunity to put these events on. We thank you so much that we have the the room and the facilities down here for the camps. We thank you so much that we have the people and the leaders that give their time up to to go away on these holidays with um, the, the young people. And we just pray that you would encourage those leaders as well, Lord taking time out from, from their own lives to, to give their time to, to these young folks, Lord. We just thank you so much for them. And we pray that these, these events that have happened would have been a real encouragement to them. And we pray that the, the bonds that they have um, built up with, with the kids, Lord, will stay for, for such a long time and they'll be, al- be able to get alongside and to encourage and to speak to them and to know where they are in their lives, Lord. We thank you for that.
Lord God, we come before you this morning. We know that there are many in here that are, are sorrowful and sad. We especially think of uh, June Taylor at this time and the loss of her son and we think of the Holmans with their loss also, Lord. We know that this world does chuck up so many things that can make us sad and unhappy, but we thank you so much that you do help us in these situations. You come beside us, you walk beside us, you never leave us and that you are a great um, person that can give compassion and towards us and comfort and we thank you for that. So those people that are really feeling these um, tough times at the moment, we pray that you would get alongside them and that you would comfort them in a way that only you can. Lord God, we just pray um, for this coming week, Lord. We, we leave into your hands the work of the Lighthouse. It's been such a blessing over the, the, the many years where we've been able to go down into the Orderbrook estate to bring your word. And we pray that, that this week will be no different, that we can leave everything in your own hands. We can be so um, worried about who will turn up and how the events will go. But the one thing that we can be encouraged by is that you know already how that event is going to um, work and what is going to happen. And we can thank you for that. We pray that the children will come. We pray that the parents will come also. We pray that as myself and James speak um, at that event, Lord, that, that you would be working in and amongst those listening. Your Holy Spirit would be working and guiding and opening up their hearts and their, their minds to, to the word that they are hearing. Lord, we just long to see change down there. We long to see children and parents um, brought to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord God, we come to you now and as we are about to to hear John's uh, sermon now, we pray that you would be with him as he speaks to us, Lord. Lord, it is um, an amazing story that we're about to hear of how Jesus um, healed that um, demon-possessed man, Lord. And again, I just thank you so much that we can come to that same God now who can cast out demons, who can change people's lives in an instant. And as John brings this to us, I pray that each one of us will be affected and blessed with what we hear now. And we pray all this now and ask forgiveness of our many sins. Amen. Well, before John comes up to us and speaks to us on that passage, we're going to sing um, our third song now. We have heard a joyful sound, Jesus saves. Spread the message all around, Jesus saves. Take the news to every land, climb the hills and cross the ways. On with this, our Lord's command, Jesus saves.
Well, we're carrying on our summer series this morning, which has been Jesus by the sea. And so our passage this morning does involve the sea. We see that from the first verse of Mark chapter 5. But it also involves tombs. It involves shouting. It involves pigs. It involves chains. It involves demonic activity. So there's quite a lot of drama happening in the passage that we're looking at this morning. We're on the other side of the sea, it says, if you've got Mark 5 open, they come to the other side of the sea. They had been in the sort of north and northwest of Galilee, uh, up here I think as you see it, and uh, and, uh, Capernaum area, and now they've gone to the other side, uh, uh, gone to the east, the southeast of the Sea of Galilee into the area of the, the Gerasenes near a main town called Gadara. And uh, this was Gentile territory, non-Jewish territory over this side of the lake. Uh, the passage spans 20 verses. So Mark gives a lot of attention to what happens here and it's going to prove a great act of deliverance. Hence the title, Deliverance by the Sea. Now, tremendously sad and um, frightening aspect of the world is, isn't it, the presence of evil. The presence of evil. Uh, whether that's seen in the world around us as our heart sinks with war and the crimes that we hear about in the news and the immorality that goes on and the distress that is caused. And maybe we might sometimes think, is it always going to be there? Is it going to carry on? will the sort of dark side, if you like, always have an upper hand in life? It may be that we think in terms of spiritual realms. We we generally overlook this and we're a bit sceptical of it. It was interesting, I was hearing about a, a church leader during the week who was brought up in a spiritualist household where there was regularly seances and occult activity in the household and when he was introduced to the Bible and episodes like this, he didn't come with a sense of scepticism but he came attracted that it actually faced up to and dealt with and confronted the real issue of the spiritual realm and the darkness that there is. It may be that we think in terms of the presence of evil, not just in the world around us, not just some consciousness of devil, demons, but personally, we think it's true personally, the evil, the sin that goes on in our own hearts. What we do, the way it damages others, the way it disturbs, the way it becomes addictive in our lives, the way it just messes our life up and it messes the life of others up. Well, with the coming of Jesus, the King has come. And the question is, will he really succeed over evil? Will he roll it back to some extent in the short term? Will he finally conquer it in the long run? And in our passage today, we get a definite and a bold answer to that massive problem of evil. Jesus has power over evil. It does not have the final say in God's creation and in the future history, and it it will not have the final say in the lives of those who follow him and trust in him. The power of evil will be finally unclamped and discarded from his people and in the meantime is often rolled back. 
So, that's setting the scene about the, the whole problem of evil and I think that this, issue, this, this wonderful account actually will confront that. And we're going to look at it in four parts. We're going to think first at desperate misery. You find that here, desperate misery. What an arrival Jesus has when he gets off of the boat onto the beach on this eastern side of Galilee. He's at the coast, but there's no ice creams, there's no reading time, there's no French cricket. Immediately, as he sets forth on the beach, uh, two men come to him, we hear in Matthew, who are demon-possessed. Mark concentrates especially on one of them, perhaps the most prominent or the most dominant in the pair. And we can find, don't you, I don't know whether you think about demon possession and devils and and demons, we can often go to two extremes. One is to dismiss it all and say, well, it's just uh, the way they, they regarded mental illness in those days. They didn't have the categories that we have, so they talked about demon possession and uh, people can dismiss the whole area of the demonic world. Uh, another possibility is for people to see it as, as rampant and to see it all over the place. And the Bible makes uh, clear that in the rest of the Bible it's a, a rare thing, but it seems to specially surface with the coming of Jesus, with the coming of the King, when the powers of darkness surface in a special way. The devil's main work is much more ongoing, much more subtle, much more widespread, you might say much more damaging, of which episodes like this are representative, symbolic. Well, let's look at this poor man. He's taken up with, with death. He's living amongst the tombs. I had a, a call from one of our daughter's friends a, a few years ago. They wanted to do a bit of a filming for school and uh, can we use your graveyard for the filming? I thought I wanted to be helpful. I said, well, of course, of, course you, of course you can. You'll be pleased to help, but just want to check. You're not doing a horror movie, are you? I didn't want Forest Folds graveyards to sort of be plastered around the local school as a horror movie. Well, she wasn't going to be doing a horror movie and I was relieved, but you can understand me asking the question because graveyards are often associated with, with death, with sadness. Horror films, I hope you've been spared seeing too many horror films. They won't do much good, but when you have them, there's often graveyard scenes. This man lived amongst the tombs and he was, he was wild and he was uncontrollable And he seemed to have supernatural strength so that the attempts that they made to control him and chain him, he was somehow able to break the chains and they can't bind him. He won't clothe himself. He's going around naked. He's harming himself. He's in anguish. He's shouting out. You imagine the the, the sort of shouts coming from the tomb area from that side of the lake. He's isolated from others as people keep their distance from a man like this man. What a miserable existence, don't you think? What a tortured existence. How did he get that way? We're not told. Did he open himself up to demonic powers at a younger stage in life? We don't know. But here you see um, the devil... Demonic forces, evil, uh, in its true colours. It aims to torment, to kill, to damage, to mar people who are made in God's image, to, to drag them down to destruction. Uh, and I, I hope just in what we've said there and thought about there, it's enough to keep you well away from outright demonic activity. It seems to me that every few years uh, a a new wave of interest goes through the schools and the friendship groups to to pursue and take interest 
in occult activity in some way and you'd be well advised to steer well clear. But more generally, it it points to the sin in our own hearts, the, the direction that sin takes us. If we ignore God, if we follow our own hearts, if we do evil things, it leads to misery, it leads to damage, it leads to destruction, it leads to wildness. There were some Christians in Ephesus and before they were converted, this is how Paul described their life, Ephesians 2, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, talking of the devil, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Desperate misery, evil, sin, where it takes us. So, sadly embodied in this pitiable man's life and situation. But then we have Defeating powers. Defeating of evil powers. What, what's going to happen to this, if you like, this huge, dense bundle of evil that's bound up in this man as he confronts Jesus? As he comes running to Jesus, what's going to happen? Well, this man falls down before Jesus. Uh, the demons take the posture of submission. They realise and recognise that they are with somebody who is superior in strength and authority. They know who Jesus is, verse 7, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? You know, the Bible says that even the demons believe in God. I don't know whether you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If, you, if you're not sure, or you don't, well, in a way, you, you need to catch up with the demons on this front. They know who Jesus is. And they beg not to be tormented. It's strange, isn't it? There they are, tormenting a man, and yet they ask themselves not to be tormented. Perhaps you don't expect fair-minded logic from demons. In authority, Jesus asks the spiritual forces to, to declare and to be named. And the name is chilling and it's telling. Legion. Not a single demon, but a mass of demons in this poor man. Not a small platoon or a small company, a little group of soldiers. This was a unit of thousands, some say 6,000 soldiers in a Roman legion. And this man is full of demonic influence. But that great Evil force cannot floor Jesus. But they're left to beg. They don't want to be cast out into the abyss ahead of time. They want to carry out their sort of pattern of destruction elsewhere. So this is their request in verses 11 and 12. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. Jesus allows this, verse 13. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Well, what do you make of that? How does that leave us? 
well, as soft-hearted, animal-loving, 21st-century Westerners, we feel for the poor pigs, don't we? And animal, animal welfare has its place in the Bible's values. But it's not the big concern here. What are we supposed to think? How much evil was in this man that is enough to fill and ruin 2,000 pigs? Incidentally, this clearly isn't a case of mental illness or epilepsy. You don't transfer that from humans to pigs. We might think of the value of a man. In Christ's accounting, this man is obviously worth more than 2,000 pigs. It's interesting. We're certainly meant to be left astounded at the power of Jesus over evil. A legion of demons gets its marching orders from the Son of God. We have defeated powers. I was just asking John Fuller about his weekend away last week, just before the service, and um, he did some lawnmower jousting. What a brave man. I, w- I might watch it, but I certainly wouldn't take part. Apparently the, the lawnmowers, the sort of four-wheeled lawnmowers, have a platform on the back, people on the platform, and they have a jousting uh, competition. I don't know how many jousts he did, but he's telling me that he lost to the guy who won, who was a rugby player. And as the, uh, as the things passed, uh, John got his lance into the person, but the person didn't move at all. John just fell off and lost. And I thought, it's a picture of what's happening here, isn't it? Coming up against the Son of God and flattened defeated powers. For this purpose, the Son of God was revealed to destroy the works of the evil one. Now, this may encourage, maybe sometimes you get a bit frightened by this whole thought of demons or ghosts or the occult or the evil world. And accounts like this just remind you that Jesus is in overall control. Jesus defeats the evil powers. Standing on his side, you're on the winning side. You don't need to be frightened. And you may wonder whether everything will, where everything will end up with so much evil in the world. And this account reminds us that ultimately Jesus will triumph, defeating powers. We have also tranquility returns. This has happened. Uh, What's going through the mind of the pig owners? Well, we leave the sort of bubbling waters of Galilee, if you like, with their fresh intake and we track the pig owners who are heading off into the local district and they're breaking the news of what's happened and what news it must have been. It's not long before a crowd gathers and uh, people who've known this man who'd been so tormenting uh, of their shores in in recent times who've known this man come and uh, wonder that this man who'd been so bad for so long, could it really be a change in his life? And verses 14 and 15 say what happens. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country and people came to see what, was, what had happened and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. I think verse 15 is amazing. Saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion. So, they, they knew it was, it was definitely him. And that had been his situation. Uh, he had been demon-possessed and he'd had the legion. 
And what is he now? He's sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. Sitting, clothed, right mind. The evil has been cast out, there is peace, there is normality, there's restoration, there's transformation, there's tranquility back in this man's life. He's been freed. He can smile again. He can enjoy life again. He has peace. He has hope. He'll have companionship. There'll be no more shrieking. There'll be no more cutting. And Jesus does have that impact, in part, on lives today. It may not always be so dramatic. It may not always be so complete immediately. But those who have experienced guilt and shame, who were addicted to selfishness, whose life was filled with such a darkness and a misery, find instead a joy and a peace, a settledness, a freedom through Jesus. Do you need Jesus' influence in your life? Do you need to have that deliverance, that settledness, that sort of back to what was intended for a life like yours? Those people at Ephesus experienced it. But God, who was rich in mercy, had great mercy on them and they were delivered. Jesus said that He is the light of the world. That those who, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So there's there's deliverance in people's lives now. But I think this episode also points forward. Not all our difficulties are dealt with now in this life. Not all distresses go. Not all depressions vanish when you become a Christian. A Christian. Not all turmoil disappears. Not all anguish is vanquished in this life. But one day, one day, believer, your mental turmoil will be over. One day, believer, your relationship problems will be resolved. One day, believer, your desperate isolation will be history. The king is bringing a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Revelation 21 points to it. Here is just one wonderful description, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Tranquility returns in good measure now completely, wonderfully, finally the believers forever. Well, the reactions um, to this whole situation are fascinating at the end of the passage. We're going to particularly pick up on one for our heading. Telling others. How how do they react? You know, they've seen uh, just an incredible scene, haven't they? They've witnessed an amazing miracle. Well, how do they react? How do the locals react? Well, they were frightened. And what do they want Jesus to do? They want him to go. Verse 17. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Strange, isn't it? Not everyone actually wants evil to be, to be dealt with. Well, not in, in, not in their life anyway. They prefer Jesus to 
to stay away and to carry on life as it was before. It's a low course. What about the man himself? Well, his reaction is so different, isn't it? It seems to have been a, a day trip, if you like, across the sea for Jesus and he's heading back, he's getting back into the boat. And this man is begging too, there's a lot of begging that goes on through the whole passage actually, but the man is begging, he's not begging Jesus to go, he's begging that he might go with Jesus. Verse 18, and as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. You know, those who are changed by Jesus do like to have his presence. But Jesus has a different plan for this man, verse 19. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Our plans are not always his plans. We need to be open to that in our lives. This man has a tremendous story to tell, doesn't he? What a story it is. And there were old friends. And there were family members. Probably people who kept their distance from this man, I guess, in recent years. Perhaps some known as, are you the the brother of that weirdo who lives in the tombs? You're one of his friends. He, he got some old acquaintances, some contacts, some people in the family. Maybe they hadn't seen him for years. And he can go and tell them that Jesus has had powerful, compassionate mercy on him and changed his life. Well, have you received mercy from Jesus? Has he been compassionate to you? Has he given you a new tranquility? Has he put you back in your right mind? Has he delivered you from the pathway you were heading? Could you enter into that I once was lost in darkest night song that we sang? But it's different now because Jesus is in your life and Jesus has had mercy. Well, are the words that Jesus said to this man good for you? Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Do you have friends that could do with knowing about the mercy of Jesus and how kind he's been to you? Do you have family who don't yet know that Jesus has had mercy on you and that you found forgiveness and a new life in him. Telling others was the reaction, responsibility of this man. So there was quite a, a lot of news rippling out on the eastern side of Galilee into the towns of the Decapolis, Decapolis, ten towns, that's what it means, and the areas around there. And maybe there will be some rippling out from you as you've experienced deliverance from Jesus and mercy. Maybe there will be people that will find out about Jesus because of that. We have a wonderful example of deliverance here. Deliverance by the sea. It's a picture of the big global final deliverance of Christ's power over evil. We can, we can cheer in our hearts about that. It's a wonderful example of an individual being delivered from the darkness that he was under. And we can praise God if we've come to know that for ourselves. Deliverance by the sea. Well, let's sing together our last song and our last song reflects... Uh, different aspects of this, fits in well for us to finish, talks about the highness and the power of the name of Jesus, but also has in it a desire to spread that message to others. It's Jesus the name high over all, in hell or earth or sky.